Hello, I'm your host, Giselle Gamby, and this is the Intuitive Pool Podcast, where together we'll embrace the plans we did not make yet unfold businesses and lives that are so much greater in wealth in all ways than any business or life plan could ever achieve. My wish is that you make intuition your most trusted advisor. So buckle up, get present, and let's go. Oh, dear listeners, this is a special one today because with me is one of my dearest, dearest friends and peers that I've met in my life that I've spoken about so many times on this episode, uh, Susie DeJong, who is the author of the book, The Untangling. And we had this interview booked in a couple of weeks ago, and then life kind of got in the way on my side. And instead of pushing and rushing the interview, I realized that actually it needed to unfold because Susie and I were on retreat together as participants from last Wednesday to Saturday. And I now realize why we needed uh, to have this interview post retreat. So it's going to be a beautiful conversation. We're both a little tired from the retreat. And so my feeling is that this conversation is going to be really gentle very profound, sweet, and transformative. So hi, Susie. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Giselle. It's my absolute pleasure. I've been super excited and uh, thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to start by the words that you write, the first words that you write in the book which is this is the book that never knew was going to be written. Absolute truth. It just unfolded. It just made itself known to me that through your guidance, I must say, that um, what I had written, what it became, was something that needed to be shared. And so where did it originally come from, like, how did it how did it start well I was processing a lot of um, emotions and feelings after the death of my mother she died in on the 24th of November 2019 and I think I started writing probably around that time actually whilst we were going through her illness with her it's funny, I, I have, hadn't written for years, not that sort of writing. It just felt like the right vehicle for me to release a lot of these things and try and make sense of what I was feeling. Where where did you, where were you after your mother passed? In the, the period just after your mother passed, how would you describe your state of being? Where were you? Naturally, I was grieving. And it had been the, the last three months of her life for us, but most importantly, her had been very stressful. There was a lot of, I mean, she went to three different hospitals and in the last couple of weeks before she passed, we had to find a nursing home for her. So, you know, it was very traumatic, most of all for her, but tiring for my sister and I. And, and I'd also separated from my husband uh, the year before and had gone through a lot of changes in my own life. And something about her passing, even though we knew it was inevitable, just really seemed to shake me and cause a lot of uncertainty in myself about where I was and, and what my future was. And I really felt like I was um, struggling. As you know, I said to you when we recontacted, you know, re got in touch with each other again, was that I thought I was depressed. And it was quite frightening because I'd been there before. So that that was when, you know, I reached out to you. So, yeah, depressed. I thought I was depressed. And what were you? As some wise person said to me, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I was more oppressed. I was so tangled up in all my baggage and 
you know, obviously when you lose someone, it, it makes you reflect on a lot of experiences that you had with that person. And, yeah, so you brought up an awful lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it, because we have this perception that once somebody passes that the baggage no longer is with us, but it is until we choose to be free of it, which is what you chose. Absolutely. I mean, when you're in the doing, and of course this relates to me, you know, I'm talking about when someone passes, but it can be the same for people whose parents or significant others or caretakers are still here as well. It, it, you spend a lot of time looking back, you know, things come up, when, you know, you have a wake, you have getting things ready together for, for a funeral. So it's looking back over someone's life, my mother's life, but also my own life. And um, ours was not an easy relationship all the time. I think as you describe it, it was pretty funky. It doesn't mean <laughs> that there wasn't there wasn't love there. There was always love there, but it was not an easy one. Yeah, it just brought up a lot of reflection about why I'd made some of the major decisions I had in my life, why I'd followed certain paths. Of course, that involved a lot of my own beliefs, self-beliefs and perceptions and how I was showing up in the world. So that started the digging. Where did they come from? And what did you find out? Oh, there was a whole Pandora's box. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what were the pieces of you, the expressions of you that, you know, once you opened that Pandora's box, you could see that actually weren't authentic to you, that they were, you know, they, that was a personality that you put on or a mask that you put on based on your relationship with your mother. Who, who was she, Susie? Wow. I mean, that's huge. She was a girl, and I'll say she meaning me, Mm. and the younger me, the me now as well, um, was a girl. Well, I'm finding it hard to sort of, there's a lot swirling around in my head at the moment. Yeah, take your time, take your time. She was a girl who had always felt invisible, um, someone who felt that she never fitted in, someone who always felt like she was on the outside looking in. And when I looked at why I had felt, and still to this day, feel to some degree, because it's part of my makeup, it's not like you can just shake everything off, is someone that uh, felt they weren't seen and heard as a child. I also realised that I'd picked up a lot of beliefs and traits that, I didn't agree with that didn't fit with who I am now and probably the biggest one of those was being judgmental judging others that's so hard for me to see I feel like that that is absolutely no longer here which sneaks in from time to time because I'm <laughs> a human being um but yes Another one, I mean, that's a huge one. I, I'm going to actually, I'm going to spend a bit more time with that one because that's a massive one. And it's, it's not about making us wrong because we are humans. And whether you're aware that you judge or not, everybody does. Yep. Um, some people to more degrees than others. But as I said, that doesn't make you wrong. It's the awareness of it. So that was a really pivotal aha for me. Yeah. Um, was looking at why I did that and why I did that was because that was why I was brought up to yeah. worry about what other people think, but also to judge them for how they think or yeah. how they show up. Yeah. And I just thought, I don't want to do that. You know, that's that's not me. I I love people. I I have a huge circle of people in my life that I just adore and I don't, you know. The other thing was if I'm judging people, they're judging me right back. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say that was that was probably the biggest one for me. Yeah. 
I have a feeling, you know, as these episodes create themselves just naturally and I can, you know, feel the energy of what's here. There's such a tenderness here. There's such a tenderness here. And I, and I feel that the listeners will be sitting back um, going to into their own tenderness yeah, into their own inquiry around, wow, who did I become as a result of my relationship with my parents? Did I feel invisible? Did I feel like the one that wasn't heard? Did I feel the one that needed to be the perfect one? Do I still feel like that? Do I, do I judge? Where am I judged? Mm. So it's a, it's a, you know, if this was a workshop, this is a workshop in itself, isn't it? <laughs> because you and I, Susie, have this thing in common that we love people so much. <laughs> and, you know, these are your words, not mine. words you said to me, you know, over a year ago, you said to me, I can't sit back and do nothing. No. Yeah. No, and I remember you said to me, wow, did you hear what you just said? And I said, well, doesn't everybody think like that? If you see someone in pain, don't you, like, how can you not be there um, yeah. in some way? Yeah. And so I feel to say to the listeners that, yes, Susie and I are holding you. Oh, absolutely. In this episode. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I want to reiterate, because this is really important, especially if you're going through a journey of change or, you know, self-discovery or wherever you are in your life, don't make yourself wrong. That doesn't help beating yourself up going, oh, God, you know, I look back and I can see I did that. That's not who I want to be. Just be gentle to yourself and kind and forgive yourself because just beating yourself up over things or regrets or guilt or shame, whatever it is, doesn't help. It just makes it worse. It, it keeps everything tangled up. So, yeah. You untangled, you untangled, and then you recorded that. Well, you didn't record that. You were writing that just for yourself. You were writing that process of untangling for yourself. And then there was a point when you realized, actually, this could be a book. So before we go on to the book, can you talk to us about what was your process of untangling? And, you know, who who are you today? Who have you become today as you've untangled? Well, for me, it was... It was the writing that started and the reflection. But I guess the biggest thing was to understand why my mum was the way she was, you know, to really look back through her life and her upbringing and, and developing more of an understanding and compassion for her instead of blaming her. Um, that was the other big shift, you know, next to judgment was blaming her for things that had happened to me and when I sort of started really looking at, at her and having compassion for her because I know her mother was well in my mother's words she described her mother as a tyrant and they had a very difficult relationship and remember too that it's whether we can see it or not, it's the perception of the person going through that experience. That's how she found it. That's how her childhood was for her. And perception's the only thing that matters because mm. that's what you experience. So once I sort of went down that path with, with looking at her and, and understanding why she was the mother she was to me, because that's what she knew. That's how she knew to show up by what was modelled for her. I really stepped back and could see how I blamed her and how that was unfair and I needed to uh, stand up and own it. Wow. So that, was, that was pretty big. That is pretty big to, stand, to, to move, step outside of the blame and judgment triangle yeah. and stand up and own it. What happened as a result of that? Oh, I'm getting teary now. <laughs> um, and I must say, this wasn't an overnight process, as you know. This, yes. This, this took time and it took energy. I forgave her for who she was and I forgave myself. And 
I released her from all that judgment and blame I'd put on her and released myself. And finally could look at her without all of that stuff clouding my vision mm. and just love her for who she was. Mm. That's so beautiful. And and what was the impact of that on you, on your state of being from the one who decided, who, who thought she was depressed? What was the consequence of that? It just, I was just so much lighter. I went off my antidepressants. I realised I wasn't depressed. <laughs> of course, you know, with consulting with my doctor and, and yes. all that stuff, you know, I sat with yes. it for a long time. Yeah, it just it freed it just freed me yeah. to get excited about the future again because before I went through that process and I've got tears running down my face now. Mm. Um, I couldn't I couldn't see beyond the next week. Mm. No, I couldn't. I'd had a business before. I'd let that go through all of this. I just, I just couldn't get excited about anything. I couldn't see anything ahead of me in the future. So when I, you know, went through, had this beautiful experience and, and understanding, it lifted all of that, and I just felt me again for the first time in my life. I felt me. Wow. Not little Susie. Uh, not Susie through her 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, but I actually, for the first time in my life, liked who I was and um, felt joy. I felt light and joy and excited again. How beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it just so miraculous? Isn't it? It's just so miraculous, the power of compassion the power of forgiveness, the power of standing up and owning it and taking the blame towards others and the judgment towards others away, isn't it just so bloody powerful and so miraculous for the for, for what happens as a result, the freedom and the, the being able to be excited for the, fu- for the future for the first time in such a long time. And actually, you know, you said for the first time I felt free, for the first time I actually, you know, liked who I am yeah I didn't like who I was yeah but you do now oh getting there (laughs) (laughs) step by step process I mean if there's one thing I am or one thing that I've become uh, more of is honest Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to sugarcoat things and things take work but as I, I think I've said to you on the weekend, you know, when you get to a certain point of your life, and I find this a lot with people, you know, from my generation, 60s and 70s, and you, you get to a point in your life, it's like this line in the sand and you look back and you think, bloody hell, that's a big chunk of my life is behind me. Yes. Not too sure how, how much of a chunk is ahead of me. How do I want to live this? What do I, you yes. know, I want to make the most of it. I want to enjoy my my children, my my family, my friends, you know, everything around me. And I think un, un, until, unless and until you do that, you're really robbing yourself and those around you from experiencing that. Ah, oh, what a perfect, perfect expression that you're robbing yourself. What a perfect expression. And, you know, this This is the thing that I love so much about your process and what you demonstrate is that you have the power through your perception, through how you hold things, to be free. Yeah, no to one not, else can do it for to you. Not, to not rob yourself, to not waste time, to not live in regret, to not live in the if only I had like you you stood in the middle of it and stood up for freedom and you did the work that was required for you to do that. And it didn't take, okay, yes, it's taken all of your life, yes, but that decision didn't take years and years and years. No, I mean, I'd, I'd already done a lot of, uh, what do you call it, personal development, self-development, mm. but I was still in that. I still hadn't truly stood in that 
you know, shadow stuff and and owned it. Um, you know, glossy on the on the layers, yes, but <laughs> but the deep down uncomfortable stuff as as one of the people I wrote about said once you open that Pandora's box you can't put the lid back on again yeah yeah you know it won't let you there's there's this little voice that just won't let you and 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 through working with you and that process of of what we call surrendering and then when you think you surrendered surrender some more and some more um yeah that's where the gold is that's where the freedom is but it's yeah, it's a process, as we know. As we know. And keeps going. Yep. Doesn't stop. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so how did the book come about? This book that never knew was going to be written. How did the book come about? Well, from sharing my writing with you, and as I said, I hadn't written in many years. I, re- I remember as a child I loved creative writing, but you know, that that just mm-hmm. stopped with life being busy. And having the reflection from you that there was something here that people could benefit from, I think that was the main thing. And when I felt I'd written enough about my journey, um, because I'd worked previously as a coach and therapist, I knew that there were a lot of other people who had uh, challenging relationships in their lives with uh, parents here or no longer or, or caregivers, you know, be it a, a, someone was brought up by grandparents or elder sibling. I just thought that there was some real important sharing that I wanted to investigate. So I had a few people in my circle and then there were others suggested to me that I knew had something really magical and important to share. They'd all gone through their own process and they'd been able to find their peace with what they'd experienced in their lives and um, grow from it. You know, it's not saying, as I said, nothing's all perfect. We're, we're still, you know. Works in process. We're progress. all works in progress. As I say, <laughs> perfectly imperfect. We're all that. Yes. Um, but each of the people that I interviewed and shared their story, each had such powerful things. And I, when I put it all together and I looked at it and I thought, yeah, this, there's someone out there, even if it was one person that's, going to get some benefit from this and as we say who am I not to do that mm-hmm. um, and yeah it just became the most beautiful unfolding talking to these amazing people um, who will now all be friends for life and hold a special place in my path very powerful mm. very powerful all different people all different situations but I know that a lot of people will see themselves in them and go, wow, if that person was able to shift this, transmute this, whatever you want to call it, and find happiness and joy, maybe I can too. What a gift that is. So beautiful. So generous. Such It's such a generous book. It took a lot of work because it was not only your writing, but it was all of the interviews that you did. Nine was there nine? Yeah, there nine? nine of them. Nine interviews that you then uh, wrote a story about for each of them, and each showing a, a special gift—the gift of imperfection or the gift of vulnerability—or and um, such a such a generous book. And I agree that you know I've I've read it myself, and there are times when I was reading that absolutely I could recognize myself in the stories that you were sharing not only in yourself but being the perfect child being the good one the good girl Mm. um but also other people's stories so yeah it's such a this this book is such a gift and I also want to say that Susie and I were dousing ourselves last year in a course in miracles work so we 
you know, I, I've talked about A Course in Miracles in the past where I bought, you know, the book, it looks like a Bible, even the, even the pages are so paper thin like a Bible. And I was never able to read it when, it, when I bought it years ago. And then last year, mm. was last year, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. last, last year, it was like these words were just, just making sense to both of us, weren't they? They were just feeding us and fueling us. And I know that the energy of A Course in Miracles, a miracle being defined as a shift in perception from fear to love, is the undercurrent of this book. Oh, my gosh. That changed my life. I know that sounds dramatic. I am (laughs) dramatic sometimes. (laughs) Um, Wow. Um, Of course, having it broken down into easy easy ways to absorb it was was wonderful. Uh, But, oh, that was... uh, It sounds quite dramatic, though, to say it changed my life, but it did. It did. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Not that you have to remember, the, you know, the, the lesson names or anything like that, but if you could say what the biggest impact A Course in Miracles had on you, what was that? I think it came back to that judgment thing again. You know, because that that's a big one to shift. Not to go in with preconceived ideas about someone when you meet them or, you know, Yes. You read something about them. It's so easy to do that. Yes. You know, it's like you don't even realise you're doing it. You just do it. It's just part of, you know, the way we run our lives. But, yeah, just to take that away and just experience someone, you know, and it's a perfect example of when we went away on the retreat this weekend. There were people there that I didn't know. It would have been so easy for me to to look at them and sort of take their agenda, take their number, whatever you want to call it. But to go in there without that mm. and just realise how everyone has their beauty, everyone has their magnificence, everyone has gifts to give, uh, I think that was probably the biggest lesson that was cemented even more for me by the Course in Miracles. Yes, and so now you've actually led me to a really special part of this conversation, which I know absolutely in the depths of my bones is going to have an impact on some of the listeners, and it's how you reconciled with your husband, who I didn't even know that you were still married to. I thought he was an (laughs) ex-husband. I didn't know he was a husband that you were separated from. So can you talk to us about that? Because what you've just talked about, you know, our preconceptions and our judgments on how we see things really is what gets us in the way of joy and connection and appreciation of ourselves and each other. Yes. Well, I'll try and condense it. (laughs) It's not an encyclopedia. (laughs) But I've been with my husband um, for 17 years so I met him when I was 39 and um, we had a a lovely life together and he's a wonderful man but through my own uh, journey of of personal development and growth and and I guess understanding spirituality a bit more and um, he was the opposite of that you know, I'm the glass half full and he's glass half empty. And, and um, you know, he's very black and white and that's great. We need people like that. I'm foo-foo and tutti-frutti and whatever <laughs> bit, bit uh, out there. Um, and I just, as, as I changed, he stayed the same, which is, is fine. But I did, I started to judge him for that and, I could feel his energy around me and it it was like it was bringing me down. It didn't mean I didn't love him. I just felt like I didn't fit. We didn't fit together anymore. And I tried to talk to him about it, but him being the way he is, the way he was brought up, which is, you know, Dutch background, don't talk about your feelings. Don't talk about your emotions. Certainly men don't. He couldn't engage in those conversations with me. He actually said he really wanted to 
and he'd have the words in his head and he just, when it came to it, he just couldn't. And so I walked away from that relationship. When was that? That was March 2018. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I mean, that was a huge thing and, and people around me didn't understand it. I didn't even understand it. Mm. But I just had to follow um, where I was being led. And so it was just a journey of discovery for me. I'd never lived on my own, ever. And I guess I just needed that time to myself to do things that I really felt called to do, which was I trained to be a therapist. I had my coaching business and and all of that. And then, um, yeah, we still kept in touch and I, we still had the greatest respect for each other. Even he would say when people, you know, his friends would say, why do you stay in touch with her? He just said, you know, I still have respect for her. There's no nastiness. There's none of that. Yeah, and through that process after mum died, I mean, I've, I've written about this in, in, in the book, but I came to the realisation one day that he really loved me. Mm. You know, like no one else in my whole life had loved me. And maybe that the reason it didn't work out was that I didn't know how to accept that. Wow. Because I didn't think I deserved it. Wow, I'm just feeling that one. That's just enormous. Yeah. And the reason I didn't think I deserved it was because I didn't think I was enough. Mm. Oh, my... <laughs> Sorry. the energy is really huge. Yeah, I mean, this is very raw and vulnerable. Mm. But as I said, I, I can't be anything but honest now. And, I, and maybe someone can relate to this. Is that the the being the seen and not heard child, um, the not having a voice, the feeling invisible made me feel not enough. And to go through your life feeling invisible is one of the most painful things mm. ever. Mm. And then as an adult, feeling that way is just about unbearable. Mm. Well, that's the point I got to. Mm. So I realised that he loved me. And I realised why I couldn't accept that. And I wrote I wrote a letter. Well, I wrote a piece about that realisation and how much I respected him and valued him and a little bit more than that. And I shared that with you. Yeah. And... You said to me, have you thought of sharing that with him? And I hadn't. And that was sort of like, ooh, geez. Uh oh geez, oh, I didn't share this with Giselle. <laughs> um, but I guess in it too was an apology, which, you know, so trite when I'd never been through that. You know, I'd never, I guess, rejected someone or ended a relationship. And that, there's a huge amount of guilt with that. And I guess I felt he deserved more of an apology than and an explanation than I'd given him. So yes, I shared it with him. And I remember when you when you did share it with him, I mean, there was a part of me going, mmm, you know, mmm, maybe there's going to be a reunion here. Like I had a feeling that this is, you know, I don't know whether it was an intuition or whether it was just Giselle in her positive hopefulness that you know that wanted a happy ending that there might be a happy ending but I remember where you were at and you were completely detached like you had no expectation you there was no agenda there was zero I mean because we can write those letters with a manipulative uh tone right or a mani mm -hmm. manipulative agenda I mean there was nothing nothing it was like as if there was a vacuum cleaner if there was any there not wasn't even anything to clean up around that it was just so clean it was so pure and then what happened? Well, as you said, I had no agenda. I, I didn't do it. I hadn't even thought about, you know, us being together again. I really hadn't thought that. But I, I just I just realised that, you know, I cared. I, there was love there. I mean, how can you not have love with someone you've been 
um, you know, like he's he's an amazing guy. Human, has faults like me. But, yeah, we just started hanging out together. You know, there was so much history with us and we knew each other and we felt comfortable with each other. And I, I really, I was trying to think of this the other day. I don't know how many months it was. We just got back together. We just, it was just right. I was selling where I was living. I wasn't happy there. And, and we just started, you know, seeing each other again. He had his place. I had mine. He said, you know, how about we buy a place together? And it just sort of. <laughs> so here we are about 18 months later. And, you know, that period of time apart really helped him too because he'd always, he'd never been on his own. He'd always been, you know, the husband, the provider, the father, the provider, a very hard worker. And this gave him time to really stand in who he was, you know, really find out more about himself, what made him happy, not just trying to please me. Hmm. So being together this time is the same but different. It, yeah, more relaxed, more understanding. And, yeah, it's, it's just I just feel so blessed. You know, I never could have figured this. It's like yeah, writing an ending for a Hollywood movie, not that <laughs> <laughs> I was quite as excited as that, but, you know, um, I, I never would have, no, not in the wildest dreams did I ever expect this to, to happen. So, And yeah. again, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this really explicit that you are just the most perfect demonstration of the power of surrendering versus the limitation of control. Because this whole process, there was zero control. And it was, as you said, you surrendered and surrendered and surrendered some more. And you continue to surrender even now. And isn't it, isn't the power of surrendering and, you know, taking a stand to step outside of the blame and judgment triangle and to own it all and to see through the eyes of love rather than judgment. I mean, there's just not a more powerful way of being in the world that heals, that heals multi on multidimensional levels, your relationship with your mother, as we've said as well, in, and I think you write about it in the book, that you're releasing your perception of your mother means that your mother won't have to come back next time and play that role again because you've freed her. Absolutely. Such, and, sorry. Oh, I was just going to say such healing on, on multidimensional levels. And I think one of the most important premises of, of the book and why I wanted to share it, and, and the other thing was always knew from the beginning, it was just a knowing, it wasn't an ego thing that someone would want to publish it, <laughs> just, which is what happened. <laughs> is that breaking these patterns and not handing them down to our kids so they don't have to experience the chains that we wrap ourselves up in, the patterns, you know. You, you can probably look back generations in your families and, and see how these all played out and why we are where we are, but we don't have to, we don't have to keep handing it down. Whether it's women, men, doesn't matter. You know, and I talk, you know, we're talking about my mother, obviously, but in this book there's also people who talk about their relationships with their fathers and men, which, as we know, is just, like, I could, I think I could write another whole book about that, ah. uh, the men, <laughs> um, because women are great about talking about this stuff. Yeah. Men, it's so foreign, and I know that that's a really important part of, of your future for you Yes, um, is helping men break these patterns and, and yes. not handing them down anymore. We don't need to do that. We don't need to do it. Simple as that. Simple as that. Simple as that. And that even that is just profound. In Simple as that. That is profound. I mean, because it gives people the key. The key is there. That's it. Gives people the key. It's a choice, isn't it? It's just a choice. It's just a choice. 
and then holding the process that unfolds from that choice. That's it. So you talked about not handing it down to our children and you have a daughter, your beautiful daughter. So what has been the impact of your process and this book on your daughter? I have to say that out of all the people that I knew were going to read this book, I was most nervous about her reading it (laughs) Um, because it is so, I have been so raw and vulnerable and honest and it's not all pretty, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not. Um, So I was, I was really nervous. Um, She was so beautiful. She said to, she said to me, oh my gosh, mum, you know, it was just amazing reading that and um, she's just been my biggest cheerleader and apart from doing the beautiful artwork on the on the cover she's just been my biggest supporter and I can see you know she's watched the some of the uncomfortable times I had going through a nervous breakdown and I mean it's pretty hard to hide that stuff Mm. but I think it gives her permission to to look at herself and see things that if she wants to change them and she doesn't have to wait till she gets to my age to do it. Um, she gets to choose, as, as I think I said in one part of the book, you know, when I, when I started going through this process and really holding that mirror up to myself and seeing the things I didn't like about myself, I also decided that it was I could choose the things that I wanted to be as well. Look at the... the characteristics and and things about other people that I really admired and I could just choose to be that I could just pick and choose you know get rid of that bit she's that bit you want to be as kind as that person just be kind you want to be more compassionate be more compassionate and so I hope from that that well it's just brought her and I closer together Mm. but I hope from that she will too have that freedom. That that bit definitely brought tears to my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as parents, our natural default is to want to protect, right? Oh, I mean, it's hard not to. I even now, I mean, I get told off, don't worry. Ah, and yet, and yet <laughs> what, what you're offering, what you're offering your daughter is um, the ability to, to, to trust whatever is here and to accept whatever is here and to go through her own untangling. And as you know, with your untangling, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always pretty. No. But the outcome is beautiful, freedom, freedom, joy, being excited for your future for the first time. And there mm. are many expressions of Susie that are yet to uh, to be shared with <laughs> others. I mean, there's a very, very funny part <laughs> expression of Susie. Susie's sitting in her dressing gown talking to me on Zoom right now. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> so, and uh, Susie's got some um, a, a new vision about um, interviewing people in her dressing gown. <laughs> and they can be in theirs. And they can be in theirs with a glass of wine or whatever it might be because as Susie discovered through the book or was reminded through the book, she loves, loves getting to know people. And in that getting to know people, there's a transformation that happens. So watch this space for, <laughs> for the next unfolding with Susie. And the way that I want to end this interview is I I opened the interview by saying that we had this scheduled a couple of weeks ago and then the diary was just way too full and felt overwhelming. So I said, let's leave it. And then I had this thought, "Uh aha, we're going on retreat together. Maybe it was premature for us to have the interview. Maybe we needed to be on retreat together and then have it. So what, what do you see? What do you see the perfection of that? Why did we have to have the interview after the retreat? And the processes that we both went on. I think there was a lot more stuff to shift for me. I felt that I had, as I put it, dropped the ball a bit with with marketing because marketing is not something I'm comfortable with. Yes. <laughs> so I, yeah, I shifted a lot of stuff about that and and realised once again, um, coming back to that, it's not about me, and I just want to express my love for others by by sharing what I've written and helping others you know just supporting others that's so yeah it just brought me back to that point again of it's about others but also to do 
what I do with joy, more joy. Step up the joy, amp it up. Yeah, just do it my way. Yeah, just do it my <laughs> way, be me. Um, and that's perfect. Yes, because we know that authenticity is profitable. We know that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to turn ourselves inside out in the inverted commas marketing world because both you and I have done that and we are repelled by that. We can only, we can only only be us and only only do what we're called to do even sometimes it might feel a little scary but we're called right just as this podcast was created I was pulled pulled called to create a podcast called the intuitive pull and the book for you was absolutely uh, a, a pull um, it was not an agenda it wasn't in the plan this was the book that never knew was going to be written mm-hmm. and thank god it was for the freedom that it's given you and for the freedom that it will give many others. And so for those who have listened to this, I know this is a really tender, isn't it? It's tender, this one, this interview. It's not all hypey and excited and, you know, and that's just okay. It's just, and not only okay, it's absolutely perfect. And so for those who have been touched by Susie's sharing and from this conversation, of course, the book will be in the show notes. I've already advertised it. I think I'm your PR person. <laughs> oh, it's wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything that you'd like to say to finish off today? Oh, first of all, thank you so much. I mean, for every aspect of you in my life, I, I just absolutely adore you. And, and without you, I, I wouldn't have reached this place. So Thank you doesn't seem a big enough word, but, you know, my heart is open. Funny, the last couple of days since I've got back from retreat, your words have let grace to the heavy lifting keep repeating over in my head. So I think that that is just the most beautiful phrase. But I think what I would like to share with everyone is we're all deserving of this. Mm. Everyone is deserving to be untangled. Everyone is Everyone deserves peace and joy and happiness. No one more than each other. We all do. And whoever's listening, you deserve it. So surrender. And surrender. And then surrender a little bit more. Hallelujah. (laughs) I love you so much, Susie. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'd like to end this particular episode with a piece of writing that I wrote in June 2020, which is the writing that Susie read and had her reach out to me. And thus our coaching began actually for the second time because we'd already coached a few years earlier. And the meme of this piece of writing that I posted on Facebook is the one who feels less than is the one who opens the door for even more. How true is that? in Susie's demonstration. The one who feels less than is the one who opens the door for even more. Let me read you this particular post and see if it speaks to you too. I wrote on the 25th of June, 2020, I'm looking for two very particular people to join the Mastermind program. One particular person I'll share here and the other in another another post. Person one, They're the type of person who feels they don't belong in a mastermind. They do not see themselves as a figurehead, a leader, out there up front, having a following, being in inverted commas impressive. They're the type of person who feels insignificant and takes a backseat to others' experience and accomplishments. Sometimes they're happy here and other times resentful of their story that they don't have the leadership capabilities that others they look up to embody. They've dabbled at the thought of coaching, but revert into self-doubt, ultimately believing they are not worthy to coach at a level that sets a high standard of the impossible made possible. But let me offer you this insight. The one who feels less than is the one who opens the door for even more, including the ones they feel inferior to. Out of the nine people who currently are in the mastermind, Five members fit this description and many more before in the seven years I've been facilitating this mastermind. Each and every one of these people have been catalysts for greater freedom, joy, connection, peace, leadership and impact 
not only for themselves, but in their families. And each and every one of them has been the circuit breaker of dynamics within their family system, inherited from generations before, that have been the antithesis to the freedom and fulfillment they now enjoy. As I said, the one who feels less than is the one who opens the door for even more, with one critical distinction. They decided to make themselves worth mattering and live a life of no regrets. And that decision not only impacted them, but the lives of many. Because an act of self-worth is benevolent in nature, whilst it appears to be an act directed for self, the paradox of self-worth is that you give to others through the very act of giving to yourself. The one who feels less than has felt this intuitive impulse. They have felt the misalignment, the lack of wholeness, the what could be. The ones who opened the door for even more did so because they made themselves worthy of following this intuitive impulse. An impulse with little logical definition, yet predisposed for creating a better, more loving world, beginning with the world within self first. Let's have that conversation that could be the conversation that changes everything. Thank you, Susie, for having had that conversation with me, having read that post. And may this tender, very tender episode, speaking to those in particular who also feel invisible, let this episode be one that catalyzes them to read your book, Darling Susie. And should they feel pulled to follow in your footsteps and to join the mastermind to reach out to me. As always, all details are found in the show notes. Lots and lots of love. Ciao, ciao.